You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Oh, and then uh, she looked for something in her purse. A gentleman sat across from her and had his cup of coffee, a donut on his napkin, and was eating her Kit Kat. She was frustrated. So she drank her coffee as quick as she could, went over to his donut, shoved it in her mouth, and said, how does it feel? And she went back to her cubicle, and a little later she opened up her purse, and lo and behold, there was her Kit Kat. Well, that story has a lot to do with the message today, because we're talking about gentleness. Have you ever responded whether phone, text, email, unfriended your friend, and then wish you could take it back? Have you ever looked in your proverbial purse and found something that caused the other person to actually be innocent, or they should have been given grace and mercy, but you chose to pull out your sword and cut off their ear? Come on! We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. It's our pathway to growth. And one of the things we discover is the fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of the flesh. In other words, the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write these words to us to tell us these are things that are produced by the Holy Spirit living in your life. Because we know what our flesh, if left apart from the Holy Spirit, can do. Some of us can be really mean. Well, I mean the 8 o'clock people. Or the 1045 people, right? But, but some of us can be really mean. Some of us, excuse me, excuse me, can be a little prideful and arrogant. Some of us can have the spirit of revenge in our hearts. And I have learned this because I'm a fellow sojourner with you, that our flesh can forget just about everything historically or mathematically but we can remember every wrong ever done to us. We have that ability. I sat with a gentleman not too long ago. He said, Pastor, when I was seven years old, he's 68. When I was seven, this happened to me. My teacher said, I thought, wow, you've carried that 61 years. He could remember the, the, the dress the teacher was wearing. He could remember what was on the chalkboard back then, you know, not a whiteboard, but a chalkboard. He could remember the name of the kid sitting in the desk next to him, 61 years. He can't remember his wife's birthday. But there's something about the human condition that allows us, if we're not careful, to not be gentle. Galatians 5 the fruit of the Spirit is, is love. And we said that as we studied this, that all the rest of these are simply the unpacking of the word love. If you're going to be a person that is driven by the love of God, then you're going to be joyful and peaceful. You're going to put up with people, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And what's the next one? Gentleness. And then the last one, we're going to talk about this next week and some more pathways to growth beyond, but self-control. Against such, there is no law. In other words, there's no restriction on how much you do of these. You can love as much as you want, and God will not say, stop. You can be as kind as you want. You can be as meek as you want. You can be as gentle 
as you want. And God's simply going to empower you to be all the more gentle. And we've been talking about in the, this, this series about pulling weeds out of our hearts. We looked at 1 Corinthians 13, and we talked about the love chapter, but we also call it the weed chapter, where there's envy and pride and arrogance and keeping score. Those are weeds that if they're allowed to flourish in our heart, that it will actually choke out the fruits of the Spirit. So just think for a minute, and I'm not going to fill in the blank. Just, just process for a second. What kind of weeds would there be in your life that would keep you from being gentle? And while you think about that, I know you can think of two things at once, but think about the last time someone was gentle to you. They had the power and they had the position to maybe crush you, but they chose to be gentle. Happened to me uh, several years ago. I was driving on the 101. My dad had just had uh, surgery. Part of his colon was taken out, and, and, I, I, and I had to go down there and, and kind of out process him and take him home. And I was driving really fast on Highway 1. Really fast. Really fast. And uh, CHP went, whoop, whoop, whoop. And I thought, that's got to be for somebody else. <laughs> and he, pull, he pulls me over, and I'm just like 10 and 2, right? Come on. License, registration. And I hand it to him. And he goes and does his thing, and it seems like eternity. You ever been there? It seems like eternity. It's like 2.8 minutes, but it seems like 24 hours, right? And, and, he, and, he, and he comes up. I know I'd seen him before, but he comes up and he says, uh, you're Pastor Bernie, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, you, you shouldn't be driving that fast. Where are you going? I said, I'm going to pick up my dad. He answered, oh, you mean Max? I said, yeah. Oh, I know him. I said, yeah, he really needs your help. I said, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pastor, uh, the angels don't even drive this fast. <laughs> so I just want you to know I'm going to give you a warning. Please get there safe and help your dad. And I, and, oh, man. I, gotta tell, I felt his gentleness. The letter of the law said, ticket. I asked a couple of my cop friends later on. It was about a $340 ticket. <clears throat> I felt his gentleness. The spirit of the law said he could let me go. Hey, have you known how many times the spirit of God's law has let you go? The gentleness of people towards you, like my little story, the gentleness of God where he could have opened up the ground and swallowed you whole. He had every right. But, but the, the mercy and grace and the power of the cross took care of you in that moment because Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe. He paid a debt we couldn't pay. Chuck Swindoll says it. He says, in our rough and rugged individualism, we think of gentleness as weakness. Being soft and virtually spineless, not so. Gentleness includes such enviable qualities as having strength under control, which we will see later is the definition in the Greek of that word, gentleness. It is strength under control, being calm and peaceful when surrounded by a heated atmosphere emitted a soothing effect on those 
who may be angry or otherwise beside themselves and possessing tact and gracious courtesy that causes others to retain their self-esteem and dignity. Instead of losing the gentle gain, instead of being ripped off and taken advantage of, they come out ahead. I love that. It's actually in your notes for your small groups, and if you don't have a small group, you should get one, but if you don't want to get one, at least take that sheet and study it on your own or with someone you came to church with. You see, number one, because uh, I know your, temp, your, your pens are fidgeting to fill in all the blanks, and you're looking at the time, you go, there's no way, honey, he's ever going to get done, and I'll just talk fast. Gentleness is power under control. It literally means to be humble, to consider others above yourself. It refers to a gentle, soothing medicine that your actions and your words are actually medicinal to other people. It's a word that means to be balanced, to be intelligent, to be decent, to be a good citizen, to be an admired person, to have other people envy the kind of heart you have. It was Plato who said, gentleness is the cement to society. Now, they had several pictures of this word. The first one was a wild horse and how a wild horse could somehow be tamed into gentleness and how when a horse was tamed, you could actually go up and ride the horse or hug the horse. I have a dear friend who's actually been here many times, Pastor Wayne Cudero, and he learned how to train horses. He studied under Monty Roberts from Flag is Up Farms, the horse whisperer. Someone gave Wayne a very expensive horse that could not be tamed. And I remember the day he sent me a video from his iPhone. It was him bowing in the ring in his little farm and the horse coming and putting its nose on his nose. And he said, hey, Bernie, about three months ago, that horse would have bit my nose off. But that was power under control. Did the horse lose its ability to bite Wayne's nose off? No. It just harnessed it. Think about a lion. It was another beautiful picture that the Greeks used of gentleness. And of course, we can see the, the lion that can actually be tamed in, in the circus. By the way, disclaimer, don't try this at home. Because within the heart of that lion is the ability to eat that guy for lunch with a little sriracha sauce on it, you know? <laughs> See, to be gentle in your notes and meek means that we don't lose our power. We just simply harness it. We hold back. The, the Greeks also looked at the wind. And we know what the wind can do. It can devastate people. It can end people's lives. But if it's harnessed, it can also become the power that causes power to be generated. The greatest example of gentleness, you know this, is Christ's example. It's, it's power under control. First uh, Peter 2, 21 to 23. Would you read these words with me? Ready, go. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself, yeah, to the judge who judges justly. 
He let God be his defense. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Okay, God, you take care of them. I'm just going to do what's right and gentle and kind. I mean, we live in a society where, where, you know, customer service is almost absent. Come on. You heard Rob Bedell talk about it two weeks ago. Where people say, you can count on me, and you know you can't. Come on. Where people say, hey, I'll, I'll be there for you, and they're not. Come on. We've all been there. But God says to us, what if you let me take care? Let me, let me keep good records, because I have great books, you know? I, I love this part where, where Jesus is arrested, and he says, uh, do you think in Matthew 26, I can't call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. By the way, one legion was 6,000 angel soldiers. So if it's 12 legions, that's 72,000 angel soldiers. By the way, do you know Isaiah tells us that one angel could wipe out 185,000 soldiers in one night? So let me just kind of do the math quickly for you. Okay, if 6,000 angels could wipe out 1,110,000,000 people or 72,000 angels, okay, which would be the 12 legions, could wipe out 13,320,000,000 soldiers. There's not even that many people on the planet. In other words, Jesus says, look, I, I can come and get you guys, you know. Are you, are you the Lord? Yes, I am. And just when he says, I am, they all fall as dead men. They didn't die, but they fell like they were dead. And, and Jesus says, don't, don't, don't worry. What was Jesus about? You, you could write it down because, again, I know your pens are going like this. Uh, restorative gentleness. Everything that Jesus did was to restore. When you follow the Gospels, you read stories like the, the woman who's caught in adultery, She's, uh, you know, he knows her story. She's at the well. She's coming to fetch water. He's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. The law says they don't get to be together. He's a man. She's a woman. Uh, and you didn't talk to women in public except your own wife. He violates everything culturally. Everything. And I love the end of that story. It says she left her water pot. The reason she came to the well was to fetch water and by her, the end of her encounter with the gentle Jesus, she even forgets why she actually came. I love that story. And then we all know this story. I, I preach it every few months. I throw it in a sermon because there's these guys that are salivating. They've got these stones in their hands, and they can't wait to throw rocks at this woman caught in adultery. And she's on the ground, and he stoops down at her level, and he writes something with his finger. That finger could have been accusatory to her. When he rises up, all the accusers are gone. We don't know what he wrote in the sand. We've all guessed, right? I think, can I just throw my hat in the ring? I think he wrote, Bill, Sam, <laughs> Joe, here's what you did. I know what you did last summer. No, and, and he writes down all their stuff. Boy, I'm dating myself, aren't I? <laughs> Sean said, that's an old song. That's an old movie, but anyway. They all ran. Could you imagine her heart when God in the flesh says, I forgive you. I don't condone what you did, but I forgive you. Now go and don't do that again. 
Just think about that moment. Think about, think about Zacchaeus. Uh, Jesus says to him, you know, I'm coming to your house, make me a tuna sandwich. I don't know what he said. But he goes and restores Zacchaeus' whole house. I mean, I've got like 20 more of those. We don't have time for them. But I challenge you to go through the Gospels and just simply look for the gentleness of Jesus. And then ask him to help you be gentle. Jesus' gentleness was drawn from the strength of his father. Remember in the garden, I no doubt you've seen this picture where, where Jesus is kneeling down. And, and I think this picture is baloney. Because, no, 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 listen. I remember as a kid going to my neighbor's house. I was a Jewish kid. They had this picture in their entryway. I didn't even know what it was. I thought maybe that's like their lost uncle or something, and you know, because again, I don't know anything about Jesus. You know, I'm 10, 9, 10, and, uh, and I saw, I remember this, this is the exact picture. And then when I come to meet Christ, I, I close my eyes, and I, that's what I saw. You know, first of all, his arms are too small because he's a carpenter, and he has no power tools, and they would take logs and, and turn it into lumber by hand. This, Jesus was buff. Well, how do you know, Pastor? Well, because he's beaten within an inch of his life and he carries his cross all the way up a hill. Ooh. Come on. You know, a young Schwarzenegger. Come on. Not the old guy, the young guy. And Jesus is in the garden and he's kneeling before his father in Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with them to the garden called Gethsemane. And he told the disciples, stay here a while, and I'm going to go over there and pray, taking along Peter. God bless Peter. And the two sons of Zebedee, he plunged into a what? Agonizing sorrow. Hi, praying here. No way. He's pouring out his heart. He's in agony. You ever been in agony? He said, this sorrow is crushing my life out. Would you stay here and keep vigil with me? And we know exactly what they do. They fall asleep. That's because that's what people do. And going a little ahead, he fell on his face and he's praying, Father, if there's any way to get me out of this. It's not some cute little picture that I saw in the entryway of my neighbor's house. He's crying out to God. Is, is, is there some way that you can empower me to go through with this all the way to the cross? And, and I believe this. Other theologians do as well. That in the Garden of Gethsemane, God was already starting to put on him the sins of us all. It's not just Jesus not wanting to die. It's Jesus already starting to feel the weight of the sins of humanity. And he's agonizing about my sin and, and your sin and the collective sin from the first person to the last person. And then as they left the garden, this is so cool. He's filled with the power of the Father. He's filled with the power of the Spirit. And we walk into the next scene, and Jesus is full of strength. And somebody, Matthew 26, 52, pulls out their sword. No gentleness here. <laughs> All who use the swords are destroyed by the swords. Don't you realize that I'm able right now to call to my Father the 12 companies more? And if I want them, of fighting angels would be here battle ready. But if I did that, how would the Scriptures be? fulfilled. And in that scene, 
we, we see one of the followers of Jesus. Some people thought it was Peter. We're not actually sure. But he cuts off an ear of one of the soldiers. Like, you're not going to tick somebody off doing that? You know? And I can see the rest of the guys with their guns out, their tasers ready. Did they have tasers? I don't know. And, 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 and what we see is that we are, through that example, it's the third thing, to live under God's control. To live under God's control. If you live under your control, you are doomed. I'm just going to tell you, if, if you're married and your marriage is under your control and not God's control, your marriage will never be what God intended for it to be. If you're a parent, and there's many of you in here that are, you're parenting under your control, your kids don't have a chance. And if you're a kid, because I see some kids in here, if you think you're going to make it to school and go to college and be really smart and intelligent just because you're so cute and so wonderful, you're fooling yourself. You take your life and you put it under the control of God. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, surrender yourself to the Lord and wait patiently for him. Surrender yourself to God. Take my life, Lord. Lord, I give you my life. We sang that. I give you my heart. I live for you alone. And it's not just a cute song. It really needs to be a summons of our life. God, I give you my life. I want you to have everything about me. I, I wrote in, in our notes and in our small group study that surrendering your life means to follow God's lead without knowing where he's sending you. That's tough. To follow and to wait for God's timing without knowing when it will come. To expect a miracle without knowing how God will provide. To trust God's purpose without understanding the circumstances. I mean, we, we want to know every little thing about what's going to happen. And God doesn't work that way. If God told us everything about this next year, our brains would explode. He just gives us little droplets every once in a while. And sometimes you don't even get a droplet. He just says, will you obey me? Will you follow me as we sang this morning? Bringing your power under his control and allowing the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of gentleness in and through you. Because gentleness, number four, needs to be displayed. I'm going to tell you this. I think people are desperate to see the love of God in action in and through his followers. People are desperate to be loved. People are desperate to see gentleness because everything, again, is about revenge and, and everything's about, I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to come after you. You better look out. Here I come. Just be gentle. Sometimes you got to bite your lips. Sometimes you got to curl your toes and say, Lord, I, I will be gentle. Philippians 4, 5 says, let the gentleness of your life be evident to all. Not just those closest to you, but those that you work with your neighbors. And here's one thing I, I, I know, and, and I, I can't believe I wrote this in my notes, duh. But, but here it is. I will not always get my way. You want to say it? Duh. I will not always get my way. If you think you're always going to get your way, then forget being gentle. Because the minute something doesn't go your way, there you'll be. Out of control. Not under God's control. A new lesson I'm learning is I'm going to do all I can and then I'm just going to let go and trust God. 
Now, again, I, I got flesh just like you do. And there's times, there's a person in our town, I won't tell you who they are. So I describe them, you would know them. They drive me nuts. Can we just have, can I pull up a chair? Let's have a little talk. They drive me nuts. Just how I say that. And lately, I've gone out of my way to find them. I have. And the reason is because I'm trying to build gentleness in my life. And the best way to build gentleness is be around people that drive you nuts. And curl your toes, pray really hard, pray in English, pray in tongues, pray in Spanish, pray in Ethiopian, whatever you got, man, just pray. Lord, I see them. There they are. <clears throat> huh? Lord, help me follow <laughs> wherever you lead. To their face, I want to say. Anyway, so, so you just stop for a moment and you say, Lord, help me. Listen, there's nothing wrong. I'm going to give you a little psychological thing here. There's nothing wrong with taking a moment before you reply. Some of you, your thumbs are just too fast. Send. Huh? Post. Email. Phone call. And you get their voicemail, and you're glad you did, because then you could just let it go. And you can't recall it. You can't take it back. So to, to walk away and just take a moment and go, okay, Lord, how, how, how can I be gentle? So this encounter with this person who doesn't like Christians, doesn't believe in organized religion, I guess they like unorganized religion, doesn't like pastors, clergy, priests, rabbis, anybody that represents anything godly. I am face-to-face -face with them. And here's what I said. It's great to see you. I didn't really mean it, but I said it. I'm working on gentleness. And then I said, um, I just want you to know I'm going to be praying for you. Don't bother. I don't believe in it. Well, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to pray for you. Really was great to see you. I'm kind of lying, but it really was great to see. You. See, those are training wheels to get you to ride your bike. There are people you avoid because you know you can't be gentle towards them. That's the people you should be with. That's the people you should be praying for the most. You see, I'm not going to get my way, and and gentleness is displayed in my attitude. That's why I just shared that story with you, and I took too long to share it. Philippians 2, 3, and 5, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. That's manipulation. You know about that? If you've been manipulated, you'll get it. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. How you doing with that? Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way, no, read the rest. Yeah, Christ Jesus thought of himself. This incredible example of gentleness. Gentleness is also displayed in my behavior. Ephesians 4, 2 says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. The behavior becomes our attitude. When the attitude of your heart is in the right place, then your behavior will follow. 
when, when, you're, when your attitude's in the right place, your behavior will follow. And finally, gentleness is displayed in my conversation. Colossians 4.6, let your conversation be always full of, full of, full of, yeah. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Stop giving people pieces of your mind. You'll have no mind left. Come on. I worked hard on that. Full of grace and seasoned with, you know what salt does? It preserves. Our words can actually be filled with grace and be preservative agents, or we can, and hear this, we can tear down in seconds with our words what God's taken years to build in the life of one of his people. I mean, our words are powerful. Especially when you're dealing with young people, with, with, with middle schoolers and elementary age kids, you say something to them, it could scar them. Well, it could scar them for 61 years. It could. Let your conversation be always full of grace and season with salt. Hmm. Sean, we're going to just sing, Lord, help me follow in just a second. And, um, where, where do you need to ratchet up your gentleness? Here's the question. If you feel challenged today, good. Somebody sent me an email. Challenge us more, Pastor Bernie. So blame it on them. But really, where do you need to be more gentle? Where, where do you need to follow the way of Christ who was so willing to give his life for us? I mean, just so willing to die on a cross that he didn't even deserve. If, if, if ever you need an illustration of gentleness, just, just simply look at the cross and see Jesus and somehow hear the words, Father, Forgive them. He had every right to damn every one of them. But down the quarters of time, he says, Father, forgive. He's speaking to you and me. Lord, help us to be gentle like Jesus, your son. Help us to be gentle like you, God. You are good and your mercy is new and fresh every morning. You are so faithful to us. Lord, somebody may say, well, that's a good, good message, but Lord, I would say if we really want to grow deep and wide with you, that we have to see the fruit of your Holy Spirit in our lives. So we invite you. You might just want to whisper this to him. I invite you, Holy Spirit, into my life. I invite you afresh. That the fruit of the Spirit, your Spirit, may be evident to all as we live for you. It's not about us getting our way. It's about you having your way in and through us. It's about you loving people through us. You serving people through us. Oh God, help us to be gentle. Just like your son Jesus. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church, or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.